Amen. I gotta make a way. Amen. That's a good one. Well, good morning. Good to see y'all. If you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to thank everyone for the texts and some of you on Facebook and just all the birthday wishes as I celebrated yesterday 60 years upon this earth <laughs> and um, I appreciate each of you the Lord has blessed me and you were a part of that celebration yesterday and I thank you it, it, I, it, I don't know if it's something you want to celebrate or something you want to try to get just to act like it didn't happen but 60 years old how asked Diane I asked her Friday I said how did this happen but anyway <laughs> 60 years old and I'm still thankful that when I was 33 years old, the Lord interrupted my life. So I can say that almost half my life I've had the Lord and almost half I didn't. And as I think about my life coming up to the point when I met him at 33, I don't know about y'all, but I thank God for the people that God used to represent him. That when I wasn't looking for Jesus, they was Jesus for me. I had an old Aunt Alice you've heard me talk about that would write them old cards. I'd see them, and they had that perfume smell, and I knew who it would come from, and it was going to be about Jesus and me not having him. And then there was other people in our lives. But when I was 25 years old, I was in a hospital called Greenbrier Rehabilitation Hospital, and a man named Pistol Pete Maravich, who I always looked up to. Everybody knows who Pistol Pete is. I always wondered how would a man as busy as he must have been took time and why did he do that and come to my room? And he didn't talk about basketball. He didn't talk about Pistol Pete. He came and he didn't talk about nothing but Jesus. And he shared with me the gospel of Christ. And he witnessed to me. And when he left, he said, you're a young man in here. You look miserable. You're in a bad place, but this will end. But if you die without Jesus, you can be in hell a thousand years. And you'll not take one day off of how long you'll be in there. You'll get out of this place. And he left. <laughs> And you know, there was other people later on, Dusty Michael Moore, he was a preacher. Ellis Leverett, another old preacher that God used as ambassadors, as representatives to make a difference in my life. And I think of the one who was more instrumental than anyone probably at the time when God was getting a hold of us both, Jerry Lawler, who was our employer, our boss, yet he was the biggest influence for Christ probably at that time in our life. And guys, none of us comes to know Jesus without a human being involved. You got to hear the gospel. Someone's got to invest. They got to pray. And guys, as we read this text, there's not another text in the Bible that expresses God's desire to use each one of us more than where we're fixing to read. You see, we are all God's representatives if you're saved. We're his ambassadors. We've been sent back into the world that we were called out of, that we were saved out of, to go back and represent the one who changed our life. And if you look right here, this is a wonderful text. Paul's writing in chapter 5. The first thing he says, and we've all heard this one, he says, in, he says therefore, in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new man if you meet Jesus and he comes into your life and you're in, you're going to be different and he says it's so different that now all things are of God why are all things of God now that we've come to know Christ and we're in Christ 
Because he's reconciled us to himself. God has through Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing, that's not counting their sins, their trespasses to them. And he has committed to us this word of reconciliation. That's amazing. If we've been reconciled, now we're to go with the, with the message of reconciliation. Back to those who are still in darkness. Those who are still lost. And, and this is the verse that we're going to primarily focus on. He says, now then, now then, because we're in Christ, we're new creatures. Now things all are, are about all God because we've been reconciled. How can you be unreconciled and then be reconciled and have Jesus in your life and be in a relationship and be the same? And he says, so because of that, now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's read that last verse again and ask the Holy Spirit to help you think this morning the way you need to, to hear God. He says, now then, because what God has done to us, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's his representatives. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Father, I want to thank you that one day you found us. When we weren't looking for you, when we were separated, when we were totally in darkness, when we were just going through life alone, you sent someone as a minister of reconciliation to plead on the behalf of Christ, Lord. Someone shared the gospel or we wouldn't be here. Someone prayed or we wouldn't have never heard. Someone invested. Someone, Lord, took the time to serve you enough to be used by you, to influence us that we have come to know Christ. Thank you for pastors that made a difference in our life. Thank you for Christian individuals that come to our mind right now as we think who are amazingly Christ-like and was so different than everyone else that it drew us to the cross, to where we sing Jesus one day. And Lord, today I pray you'll help us all to realize every one of us are now ambassadors if we're saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Throughout the Bible, as you go to look, throughout the Bible, God is looking for people to use. Have you noticed that? God can do anything, but he chooses not to do it. He will not save anybody unless he's doing it through an a human instrument. He could just come down here. He sent Jesus. Jesus spent three years preparing us to be the church. Look at what it says right there. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God's going over the earth right now looking everywhere at us. To see who he can find that has a loyal heart that is capable of being used by it. most important thing about you is not your abilities not how smart you are it's not how educated you are it's not how rich you are the most important thing about you that makes you useful is that you've been saved and you got a new heart that he's changed you and you have a loyal heart a heart that loves God that wants to follow God I didn't say a perfect heart no one has one but a heart that has the desire to live for God he can use anybody if that's what they have, that kind of heart. So he's looking for those kind of people to show himself strong on. That's to give us the ability 
to do what he wants to do. Throughout the Bible, you'll see in Ezekiel's days, the days of Jeremiah, when the people of God was in great peril because they turned so far from God and they was just in the midst of judgment. The Bible says that through Ezekiel, God said, I sought for a man among them. I sought for a man. What kind of man? A man he could use, a man that he should show himself strong on, who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. I can't help but to think of the situation we're in today in America. God doesn't want to judge America. God doesn't want to have to punish America. But God is righteous and holy. But God's got a church here. It's us. And he's looking for people who are just like us that he can use. He's seeking out people to stand and make a wall, to intercede, to be mediators, to, to, to be representatives for the things that those who don't know need to hear. And for those who can't see, to see, he's looking for men and women right now. I can't think of but none better than Isaiah. Isaiah was a priest. He was working in the church house in the temple. He was going through the everyday religious motions that we get caught up in. But one day God showed up. God showed up with all of his power and all of his glory. And he seen him on his throne. And the first thing he said was, woe is me. For I am undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in amongst the people of unclean lips. And God, which is a picture of all of our salvation, sent that, that angel, and that angel took that stone and took it and touched his lips and cleansed him. And he was able to see and hear God like he never, and he heard the voice of God. And look at what it says. Isaiah said, all of a sudden I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom shall go for us? My friends, when God saves a man, when he makes a man right, when he reconciles you, when he takes the sin from your life, when he takes that which is unclean, like he burned and cleansed the lips of a man named Isaiah, the first thing when Isaiah was made right with God, he said, oh, Lord, I hear you. And the first thing God said was, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? What America needs more than anything else it's not a better president. It's not a new Congress. They need men and women who will hear the Lord and say, here I am. Send me. And what did God tell him? Go and tell this people. Do you know what your neighbor who's one breath from hell needs to hear more than anything else? He needs to hear somebody who'll stand as an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ and go and tell him about the Lord. He needs someone who will love him enough to live a life that when he sees you and he watches you, that he sees Jesus in. Because you see, Jesus was sent by God into this world. And you know what the Bible says? It says in John 3, 17, that's right after the one we all know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believe him shall not perish. But the next verse says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Aren't you glad God sent Jesus? Amen. And Jesus lived here, but he didn't stay. What did he do? He prepared his disciples his apostles 
And when he was ready to go back to the Father, this is what Jesus said the night before he prayed, hours before the cross. He's in the 17th chapter. He's praying to the Father. Just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus has sent us, my friend. And he's praying. And he's saying, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now, that's easy for us to say, well, he's talking about those 12 apostles. <laughs> that wouldn't mean me. If you got saved, it does. Because listen what he says. If you was to look at chapter 17, listen to this real closely. Jesus prayed moments before the cross. He says in verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. That means set apart for God. And I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's every one of us. And listen what Jesus goes on and says. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. You know when the world's going to believe that Jesus is who he, the one God sent? When we're all in him and he's in us. And we're all together in one. And we represent him to the point when they look at us, they see the things of God. They hear the things of God. That's what Jesus prayed. And friends, I want you to think about this. The church is on mission for God. Sent out to go out and make disciples of Jesus. Most churches are all concerned with gathering, coming. And that's great. We do gather. We do come. But once we come to know Jesus and we are saved, he gathers us so that he can, what? Prepare us if he saved you. And he's preparing you. And he's provided for you so that he can send you back out. Friends, the church is focused on getting people to come when we're supposed to be focused on going out to the people who were lost. And friends, I want you to think about this. The church is the body of Christ. We're the representation of Jesus here on earth. This is just a couple verses, but this is how God's concept was. Jesus, that's why he was praying. He was praying in that 17th chapter. He said, just as I was sent into the world, I have sent them into the world. And then after he left, he went back. He left the church, the body of Christ. And look at what the Bible says. Now you, that's me and you, if we're saved, if we're in Christ, you are the body of Christ and members individually. We're all members individually, but we make up the body of Jesus. Look at this next verse. So we being many are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. He's using the analogy of the body that we represent him. All of us together make up the body. Just like when Jesus was here on earth physically, now we represent him physically. We are the only Jesus this generation will ever see on earth, my friend, till he comes back. And not only that, but listen what he says also. Christ is the head of his body, the church. Jesus is over the true church. If Jesus ain't over you, you ain't his church. If he's not Lord and has authority and he is master, your savior and your Lord, he has authority and he, Jesus, is the head of the body of the church. Too many of the churches is all about us. It's all about what we want to do. It's all about bringing people in and creating it to what we want when we're supposed to be getting ready to be disciples to go out to save the lost. And to disciple the saved. 
And he says, who in the beginning was the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. That's first place. Jesus first. His church is all about him. And guys, this next verse, look at what it says. And he put, he the father put all things under his feet, under the feet of Jesus. And he gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, all things. That don't mean just the things we want to give him. All things are under Jesus, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, I want you to think about this. The hand does what the head tells it to do. It reaches and it blesses. The feet go where the head tells it to go. And the mouth says what the head tells it to say. The mouth don't tell the head what to do. The head tells the mouth what to do. And I ask you today, as a church, as the body, are we truly listening to the head, Jesus? Is he in control? Because he wants us to go places we would never want to go. He wants us to do things with people we would never want to do. See, all things belong to him. That means all of our money, all of our resources, all of this building, all that we have as part of this church is God's. And we're to use it for him. And friends, I don't know if you think about this, but if Jesus is the head and we are the body and we're supposed to be doing what Jesus did while Jesus was here, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in, um, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, you see, the church has been sent to go, my friend. This is the last thing Jesus said to the church in the gospel of Mark. We've been listening to the gospel of Matthew, the great commission, where he said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I commanded unto you. And lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Every one of us, ought to, that ought to be what drives us. That ought to be the foundation of what we want to be as a member of his church. In Mark's gospel, he said this. And Jesus said to him, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In the next verse, he said, everyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Everyone who does not believe will be condemned. Do you understand this morning that everybody that you see every day that is unreconciled, that is not a new creature in Christ to the point that old things have become new, all things have, old things have passed away, that all things now are about God, that they love God, they want to be, that they're not reconciled, that it is our job to be ministers of reconciliation, or you know where they go? If you're not reconciled to God, you go to hell. And being reconciled to God is not a membership in a church. I walked an aisle when I was 12. I got baptized. I got old enough to leave my home, and I ain't been back since. That's a lost person. Very few may be saved, and they may be under conviction, but they're not going to be happy. They're going to be miserable. If you're in the world, and you love the world, and you like the world, and the world likes you, you are of the world, my friend. You belong to the world. When Jesus saves us, he calls us out of the world. He changes us. He moves into our life. He begins to, through the reconciliation of that relationship, 
restore and renew. And he makes us into the likeness of himself. And he sends us back into the same world he saved us out of to represent him. The biggest miracle God ever did was not that he takes us and brings us to heaven. That's wonderful. But that he can take us out of the world and keep us from the world. And still put us in the world and use us to reach that same lost and dying world. And friends, listen. That's what God wants to do. Look at this. God's will is to use the church to represent Jesus in the world. And friends, the world, when they look at us, what they think of us, you may not like to believe this, before long becomes to think of what they think of Jesus. And a lot of times they don't want to have nothing to do with Jesus because they've looked at the representation we've made. And I'm going to get to where this passage is in a minute. This is a long introduction. (laughs) But I want you to think about this. If you take the Bible and look at what we just looked at, we the church, the body of Christ, who is under the headship of Jesus, who is controlling us, the head controls the body, he leads. We have been sent out to reach the lost and to go make disciples, not collect money, Not to build programs, not to gather children, not to do fundraisers. All those are okay, but under it all, that's what we're to be doing. Just like Jesus did when he was in the world. Jesus was in the world. He set the example. He showed us what he wanted us to do. He taught us. He said, go teach them all the things that I have commanded you to observe them. And he says, go make disciples. That's people who are become like you because you're like me. And friends, we're a long ways from this plan and we wonder why it doesn't work anymore. God never said he would build a house for us. If that house stands, he's building it for himself. (laughs) And friends, I want you to think about this. Three ways the church can make this happen. How can we be a church that is under the control of Jesus, that Jesus is leading that we can go and do what Jesus said he wants us to do. Now, this is an amazing thing. This comes from John. This is the last night. When you read the Gospel of John, when you get to chapter 13, that's right after they had um, the Last Supper. That's right after Jesus was betrayed. And from there, he's walking to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will be betrayed hours. And these are the last teachings he was given to his disciples before he would leave them on the earth. Listen to what Jesus told them. Just listen to this. In chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. Is that not unbelievable? He was telling them, y'all been watching me? What you've seen me do, the works I've been doing, you're going to do also. Now, that's hard to believe, but you want to hear something even more? The next sentence, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go back to the Father. I want you to think about it. God's plan is unbelievable if we would let him have control of our lives and we were the church we're supposed to be. He also says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is in chapter 16, verse 7. Remember, this is not broke up. This is one teaching. Jesus is walking from the upper room. He's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he's walking, he's teaching these last words. This is one teaching, the last teaching of Jesus before he went to the cross, before he would die for our sins. And this is what he tells them. It's to your advantage. 
I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit. Friends, a church filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, living out the example of Jesus and doing the model of what Jesus told us to do will reach more people for God and reconcile them than Jesus ever could have when he was here, limited himself in the flesh at one place at a time. If Jesus would have stayed on the earth all the way to right now, there's no way as many people would have gotten saved as they did through the body of Christ, as the gospel is preached, as we go and do what Jesus wants us to do, as we are the people on mission for God, carrying out the Great Commission, proclaiming the gospel, living out, reconciling as his ambassadors, his representatives. More people today will get saved the world over on this Lord's Supper than Jesus saved the whole time he walked the earth while he was limited in the body of himself. See, we are his body now. We're filled with his life, the spirit of Christ. We're given his word, his teachings, and through all of that, we can do exactly what he did above and beyond. Friends, that's an amazing thing to think about. And friends, I don't know about you. You say, well, I don't believe that works. Then are you saved? That's how I got saved. God used his representatives. He preached the gospel. I've seen people get saved. I preach to a lot of people. I don't know if anything happened to them, but every now and then one of them gets it, amen? He becomes a new person. And friends, I want you to think about this. This is how it happens. First thing you got to do is you got to get to being real about the word of God by learning and following the word of God. Now, I could have said by being taught and obeying the word of God, but a lot of people, you know, have kind of forgot that Obeying means following it. <laughs> you know what Jesus said? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? See, it's important that we do what he says. And so as we hear the word of God, as we hear it preached, as we study it, as we go to Sunday school, it's not just to give us a spiritual little something to scratch our spiritual interest. It's to help us to become what God wants us to be. And so we're learning and following the Word of God. The next thing, if you're learning and following the Word of God, as the Word of God begins to become real to you, as you have understanding knowledge of the truth, and you begin to see who Jesus is, He wants you to to emulate the example and the model of Jesus and His ministry. That's just just a, a more fancier way of saying He wants you to follow Jesus. He wants you to emulate the example of Christ, to do what Christ did, to be like Christ. He wants you to teach and follow the model of Jesus' ministry. Friends, I don't know if y'all noticed yet, but everywhere Jesus went, he was helping people. He was ministering to people. He would take people and he would meet their physical needs so that he could give them their spiritual needs. And that's what we need to be doing. And friends, listen, the thing that makes us able to do that is we have the Holy Spirit if we're saved. That's what makes you a new creature in Christ. That's how all things pass away. That's how all things become new. At the moment you are truly saved and your sins are removed and you're reconciled with God, he moves in and you're born again. And the spirit of God is in you. How can the spirit of God be in us and we be like everybody else? How can the spirit of God be in us and be in control of us and be leading us according to the way Jesus wants us to be, doing what Jesus wants to in the world, not look at us, and, and we don't fit in? 
The world should look at us as we're oddballs. We're, we're, we're different. If we got to tell them we're a Christian, something's not right. There's an old saying, if we was to get arrested for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict us? <laughs> but guys, I want you to think about this. By obeying and relying on the Holy Spirit, we can do what I'm talking about. That's what God wants us to do. If just coming to church on Sunday, hearing a sermon, and thinking you're going to heaven and you're a good person is enough for you, you have missed it and wasted your whole life for Christ. Because he saved us to be a disciple, to follow him. No one wants to tell us the Bible anymore. We just want to preach the little parts, make us feel good. But I don't tell you what. You get right with God, God's going to plan to use you. When Isaiah got right, first thing God said was, who's going to go for us? Who shall we send? And the moment he changed his heart and he heard God, Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Jesus said, just as the Lord, the Father, sent me into the world, I am sending you back into the world just like me. And friends, I want you to think about this. 2 Corinthians says this, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are his ambassadors. It's though God were pleading through us. We implore you. That means I beg you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. I promise you this. At the end of your life, the most important thing won't be what everybody says about you, thought about you. It won't be how much money you left in the bank. It won't be how many family you had. At the moment you close your eyes for the last time and breathe your last breath, the only thing will matter is you're reconciled with God. Because if you're not reconciled at that moment, you won't ever be reconciled for all of eternity. That's why it's so important. That's why we must go that's why we must have a burden because everyone who is unreconciled is in peril of eternal damnation separated from God. Just like every one of us who is reconciled can celebrate the hope of heaven in the presence of God. The worst thing about hell is not fire, it's not torment, it's separation from God for all of eternity. Never ever again opportunity to be reconciled with the creator who died and sent his son to save you. I want you to look at this text with me here for a moment. And I want you to look at some things in it. First of all, he says, now, in verse 18, all things are of God. Why is all things of God? Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing, that means not counting their sins, their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of this reconciliation. Now I want you to think about this. <laughs> I was 33 when I got saved. I understand it's different if you got saved as a little kid like Izzy and you grew up in church. But you'll never convince me that you can live in the world, celebrate sin, you don't feel bad about it. You live like the world, you think like the world, you agree with the world for your entire life. And that the world even embraces you. You see, what I've come to find out is an ambassador represents the one who sent him. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? If Jesus showed up today and he was sitting in here, do you think he'd blend in? If Jesus went where you went this week and worked on your job, went to your school, sat in your classroom, 
hung out at your neighborhood, do you think he would have blended in? I think they'd all be talking about this visitor <laughs> that showed up. You see, they should be looking at us in that same way. And I want you to think about this. It says that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation because we've been reconciled. And he has sent us back into this world. And it says right there, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Does anyone know what an ambassador is? Um, I want to share with you something. I learned some, I guess you would call it um, social studies this week. I, I went to look and see what an ambassador for the United States of America is and what he does. And I actually looked it up in the dictionary. An ambassador, if you look at the second, this is Webster's, is a person who acts as a representative. That's what an ambassador is. He's a promoter of a specified activity. That's exactly what Paul's saying that we're supposed to be doing. We are people who represent God. We are to go promote the gospel. We're to go tell them about the specific greatest activity that ever happened on the face of the earth. Do you know what it is? Jesus dying on a cross. Look at the next verse, what he says. Now we are his ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled. For he made him who knew no sin. Perfectness. Holiness. Pureness. Completeness. The Lamb of God without blemish. He made him who knew no sin to become sin. For you and for me. Friends, that's a message, isn't it? Jesus took our sin. Why did he do that? Look at what he says. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that he, we might become the righteous of God in him. Your only hope of righteousness is for Jesus on the cross to take your sin and take it on himself and then to take his righteousness and put it on you. That's what God did. That's the only way to be reconciled. No one will ever be good enough. No one will ever be holy enough or religious enough. The only way is for Jesus. And friends, I don't know about you, but I look around at a lot of my friends, and they think they're good enough. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. I love my kids. I know I don't go to church like I ought to, but I love God. The pride of man thinks we love God. But God said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. None of us do it perfectly. But guys, to be reconciled to God, the last thing he says there is be reconciled to God. When I look around and I look at this verse, I don't see people of the left, progressive liberals. I see unreconciled people with Christ. And friends, if you look on the right side today, there's a whole bunch of us that want to identify ourselves as the right the conservatives that ain't reconciled with him either. It's got to be more than just agreeing with a standard of right and wrong. You see, the standard of right and wrong is Jesus himself. The only one who ever lived who was perfect, who was truly righteous, is the only one who can ever make me and you righteous. And I don't know about you, but religious people today don't get that. 
There are a lot of people in churches this morning who think they're all right because they come to church. Friends, the only thing that makes us all right is we've been to the cross of Calvary. And God changed our life and he reconciled us. Friends, listen to this. I didn't come up with this. He says, a diplomat is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. You know how far away our home is? Heaven. The Bible says that we're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're just sojourners passing through that this is not our home. That our home is heaven. And we are God's official representatives. Do y'all know, can anybody know and remember any recent United States ambassadors to foreign countries? What did they do? They represented the specific activity, the purpose. They promoted what America wanted with that foreign country. Do you know what their main thing an ambassador is in a foreign country for, in a place called an embassy. In a foreign land, in a foreign country, there's a little piece of real estate that is considered American soil, and that's the American embassy. It's in every nation except for three. Y'all know what three? There's not one in today. Does anyone know? One is a nation I never heard of. It's called Butan. That's B-H-U-T-A-N. The nation of Butan, we don't have a United States ambassador there. According to the U.S. State Department, the United States and the Kingdom of Butan have not established formal diplomatic relations. However, the two governments do have informal and cordial relations. Does anybody know who the two only two nations in the whole world that will not allow us to have an ambassador on their foreign soil? You could guess. Iran and North Korea. Do you know why we don't have one there? Neither one of them desires to be reconciled with us. They don't like us. They don't, they, let me just read to you. Iran on April the 7th, 1980, the United States broke diplomatic relationship with Iran after the 1979 Iranian Revolution. Currently, Iranian interests in the United States are represented by the government of Pakistan. Pakistan brings us what Iran wants us to know. But guess what? We don't get to go and tell them. We don't have an ambassador. The U.S. Department of State named Iran a state sponsor of terrorism on January 19, 1984. We look at them as a terrorist group. So we don't have ambassadors there, and they don't have ambassadors here because there's no desire to be reconciled. North Korea is the other one. Does that surprise you? North Korea, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, is not on friendly terms with the United States. And while talks between the two countries are ongoing, there is no exchange of ambassadors, no foreign embassies, because they do not want to be reconciled with us. The amazing thing to me is we're the enemies of God. We're sinful. We're rebellious creatures. We have done everything to hurt God. We've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. We, none of us even seek the Lord, the Bible says. He has to seek us and intervene. And the Bible says that we were all enemies of the Lord before we were reconciled. But the Lord wants reconciliation with you and with everybody else so bad that he sent his only son. Not just to be an ambassador, but to be a sacrifice. <laughs> not just to try to come and Work things out, 
but to fix it and pay the price where it would be fixed forever. Jesus, my friend, came, and he is the one who brought reconciliation to a sinful, rebellious, God-rejecting, selfish world. And you were part of that world at one time. But God intervened, and now you're a new creature in Christ. All things pass away. All things become new. And now then, we are what? His ambassadors. We get to represent him. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but it is an amazing thing to think about who we represent and what we represent. You know, I, I, I got convicted. Just this week, you see, we're God's representatives. We have been sent into the world as ambassadors for Christ. We're here to represent him. So if we are doing our job well, if you was to ask people, what do they think about you? When people look at you, what is the first thing they think about? I got a cousin down in Louisiana named Calvin. First cousin grew up right next door to him. And he's recently really become vocal about Jesus. And he's been sharing things about the Lord. But I remember when none of us were, had anything to do with Jesus. He went through a divorce. That's who we moved up to Tennessee to stay with. And, you know, for my birthday yesterday, this is what he wrote. And it ain't leaving me alone because I've been studying this message. He said, happy birthday, cousin Marvin, the second greatest fisherman I ever knew. I failed. If people look at me as a great fisherman and not a great Christian, what do they look at you as? When they evaluate your life and your day-to-day activities and the passion of your heart and the spokenness of your mouth, do they think he's a representative of Jesus? Or do they think, boy, he likes Jesus, but he loves white perch fishing. (laughs) He, she likes Jesus, but she loves them all. Does anybody get what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter what we think. What matters in the end is what they think. And I think back about Ellis Leverett, Dusty McLemore, Jerry Lawler, Pistol Pete. Ever since that day, he came in my room and shared the gospel. He came to a little bitty church way smaller than in this name, Madisonville First Baptist, about 30 people. When I got out of that facility on a weekend leave and was baptized, lost as a goose, didn't know Jesus, but he was there. He gave up his time, and he came, and he was there. My mama's got a picture of us when I got baptized. Pistol Pete Maravich. He gave me a basketball that was signed, and he says, May your life glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, Pistol Pete Maravich. You know what I did with it? Played basketball in a shell driveway. And don't even know where it's at today. I would give anything to have that sitting in my office right now. But you know what? I wasn't a Christian. Didn't give a rip. I got out, went to that little church for a season, got baptized, tried to be a good little Baptist. But without Jesus in your heart, without the Spirit of God, it's hard to be a good little Baptist. I went right back out there into the world. And I did more cocaine and I did more drugs than I ever did before, having then made a baptism, 
had made a profession of faith, what they called it. I didn't even know what it was. I got out of it. I got on a weekend pass. They took me out of that hospital. They brought me to that little church, and everybody said, you're a miracle. You're an answered prayer. I was a celebrity. <laughs> I didn't even know what it meant to be saved. So I was fooled with all of that religion. I was on my way to the boat one day in the airport in New Orleans, and Pete see me. He was on a payphone. They didn't have cell phones yet, and he was going, hey, boy, hey. He was trying to call me. But I was hung over, run over by the world and drugs, and I took off into the crowd and went caught my plane to go get on a towboat. My mama sent a letter before I got home to that boat and said, Pete said he's seen you in the airport and you dodged him. He called me, and he wanted to know, was you still living for the Lord? And I told him, pray for him, Pete, because he ain't. I believe with all my heart the result of me standing here today is because of people like Pete Maravich who prayed, who took time. He was busy. He didn't have to call. What are we doing to invest in sinners and lost people and things of such? We were working for a company that we was the biggest truck. We worked, but we caused them grief. (laughs) But they kept loving us, and Jerry Longer led her to church, brought her, and she got saved. He invested in us. He went above and beyond being an employer. He showed us the example of Jesus. He, I just talked to him the other day. We're still friends. Friend, I want to tell you something. What I'm trying to say is being an ambassador of Christ is more than just coming to church and saying I'm a church member. It's being involved in the work of Christ. And friends, if we had churches like this, we wouldn't be worrying about attendance. We wouldn't be worrying about America. The church would be making a difference. And I don't know about y'all. I fail. I want to do better. How about you? I, wanna, I don't want people to say, boy, he can catch a white perch. I want to say, boy, he's a soul winner. He cares about souls. Don't mean I'm going to quit white perch fishing, but I sure need to slack up, it seems, talking about it so much. I want to represent Jesus more, and I hope you do too. This morning, I want to tell you, if you ain't saved, if you've never been reconciled to God where you've become a new creature, Old ways of the worldly things are passing away and new ways of the kingly, heavenly things are becoming real in your life. You ain't met him. And if you've been reconciled today, he will reconcile you. He died for you. He'll save you. All you got to do is admit you're a sinner, admit you're unreconciled. If you're willing to say, oh, I need the Lord. I'm a sinner. Would you save me? If you get saved, you're going to publicly want to recognize. You want to be an ambassador. You want to be a rep. You want to represent the one who died for you. You'll get up. You'll walk this aisle and say, preacher, today's my day. I've come to be saved. I don't want to just take the grace of God in vain. I want to be saved because today is the day of my salvation. God spoke to me. He touched me. He's called me. There's someone in here this morning. I can sense it in everything of my spirit that God brought here, that you know he's speaking to you. Listen to the last thing Paul says. He says, we then as workers together, we then, his ambassadors, his representatives, look at verse 1 of chapter 6, next verse. We then as workers together with him Also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. This is the grace of God calling you. Jesus saying, I died for you. I'll save you. Hell and heaven is at stake with what you decide here in a moment. And he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you. And in the day of your salvation I've helped you. God's helping you today. 
Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I'm pleading as an ambassador. I'm telling you, if you're not reconciled, if you're not washed in the blood, you haven't been to the one who took your sins upon you so that he could put his right. You're going to go to hell. You're going to be separated from God. You don't have to be. We're ministers of reconciliation here. If you walk this aisle, no one's going to look at you. They're going to celebrate. They're going to be, hallelujah, Jesus, with all of heaven. So I'm telling the lost person here this morning to come and be real. Start your first day with the Lord representing him and walk an aisle like a man or a woman of God and say, I'm not ashamed. He walked that hill for me. I'm going to walk an aisle for him. Jesus said, if you... Deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my father. But if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. Come and say, I've come this morning to be reconciled. And I'm going to be an example, a representative of what Christ does when he saves you. And man, we'll celebrate with you. But I'm telling everybody here that is saved, we're not doing a good job of being ambassadors like we ought to be. I don't know about you, but I thank God that we have an ambassador in Russia we have an ambassador in China that gives me hope. I'm an ambassador for the Lord. Come today and be saved if you're not saved. And if you are saved, say, I want to be an ambassador too. Take the ministry of reconciliation and go and tell others about him. Would you stand with me? Father, right now, as I have pleaded, if I have spoken, as we take time, Lord, for a sinner to have an opportunity to come to be reconciled, to be saved, to be made righteous through the cross and the blood of Calvary. There's someone right now under the sound of my voice that's struggling, Lord, that, that, that warfare is going on, eternity, the devil and Jesus. Heaven and hell, the battle between the world and heaven. Lord, I pray you'd give that person the grace to not take this in vain, but to give their life to you. Lord, I'm believing someone's coming this morning. And, Lord, I'm believing that there's enough people in here that's got enough Jesus in them that they're going to say, I want to be a more committed vessel of reconciliation. Lord, I want to be an ambassador. I pray that we'll come to this altar and we'll intercede. We'll be the men that stand in the gap for America. That we'll be the one who hears your voice, who will go for us. And we'll say, here we are, send us, send me. Lord, you're looking this morning, you're looking over this audience to and fro at hearts who are loyal to you so that you can bless them and show yourself strong on their lives and their families. But Lord, we got to confess some things. We got to repent of some things. Lord, we got to get right. We got to quit staying satisfied with church and religion. And Lord, we want to be real today. So be real to us. Touch us, Lord. Draw us. Start with me, God. Make a difference in this place for your glory. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come, come. God loves you. He's calling you. Would you come?